I would say that it would be Paul. He is, he, is, he is right. He is primed for it. He is in a situation and a circumstance that, uh, that he could certainly be overwhelmed by anxiety. And it is under these conditions, it is in this uh, atmosphere that Paul writes in Philippians 4 and 4 and says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, then, you know, it's kind of like your mother. If you didn't, she don't think you heard it. He says, and I say again, rejoice. Amen. It's easy to quote to someone. It's harder to receive it when it is your situation, when it is your hardship, when it is your circumstance when you're upset, whenever difficult times come, it's easy for someone else that's not going through those things to look at you and say, you just need to rejoice. Uh, it's another thing to receive that and to understand how am I supposed to rejoice. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice when you have a flat tire. Rejoice when uh, things aren't going your way. So how, how is it that I'm supposed to rejoice in all of these things? Always rejoice. Rejoice, you know, when you're battling cancer. Rejoice when you lose the scholarship. Rejoice when your child's dealing with and making bad choices, maybe drugs or friends or whatever it is, they, they rejoice when you, you can't pay the rent. Rejoice whenever you have to leave your house. What, how, how is it that, that you can rejoice in all of these situations and these circumstances that are real and happen in our life? He says here, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. How could Paul rejoice when he was locked up? How could Paul rejoice whenever he has a, a, a prison guard chained to his hand, his wrist, and not knowing the fate of tomorrow, perhaps he was, uh, if, if as we would know it, he was on death row, and it seemed that certain in the morning would be his own death, and yet he pins somehow these, these uh, words and tells us, this isn't somebody that's on a spiritual height. This isn't somebody that's going through a good season of their life and you're going through a bad season and looks at you and says, well, you just need to learn to rejoice. No, this is somebody that is going through the very uh, hell on earth and uh, facing death itself 
and he pins down, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if somebody is able to give me that kind of, of context and, and, and be able to give me that kind of advice dealing with what they're dealing with, then I want to know what they've got. Is anybody with me? How can Paul rejoice when he's locked up? How could he praise when his dream is to preach and his reality is he's a prisoner? Well, I submit to you this morning that it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And I want to talk to you today about the perspective of praise. Perspective very simply means how you see something. It's amazing how that two people can be looking at the same thing and then you ask them to describe it and, and it's totally different. Right? I, I, the great uh, wordsman and anointed man of God, Dr. T.L. Lowry, I remember uh, asked me to drive him around and he, and uh, whenever he was doing a meeting and, and he uh, um, was uh, very, if you knew him or if you ever was around him, you know he was very elaborate, he was very demonstrative. And in uh, the, the service that night, there wasn't, I mean, it wasn't empty, but there wasn't, it wasn't packed by any means. But on the ride home, he was, uh, he said uh, to me, he said, uh, call Mildred. That was his wife. He said, call Mildred. And so I got his phone and called, dialed the number and he calls and he starts describing the service that night. And uh, I'm thinking, he and I must have been in two different places <laughs> because whenever he was telling his wife about the, the service, it was nearly packed and glory filled the tabernacle and, and it, all this wonderful things happened and, and, and he wasn't lying at all. It was just his perspective. It was how that he seen what went on. Are you seeing, talk, hearing me today? And it's about our perspective in life is going to determine whether we are able to rejoice or not. Amen. You look at the same thing, but you see something different. How do you see it? You see it through Jesus. You see it through, uh, what's that called, the magic eye? Where you look at something and you're supposed to stare at it intensely. And if you stare at it long enough and you stare at it right, then uh, 3D pictures show up. Is that what that is? Magic eye? And you stare at it, and, and I've looked at those things. They don't work on me. Uh, but, but you stare into that thing, and you see something, and uh, suddenly you don't see it at first, but then the more you stare at it, the more intently, supposedly, there's something will, that, that 3D picture will illuminate. It'll, it'll come out uh, of that, and, and you see something. And it's interesting to me, and I bring that up because the same root word in the Latin for perspective, it means to look through. Look through. You know, the songwriter wrote a song many years ago, God looked beyond my faults and he saw my need. God looked through my sin. He looked through my ugliness. He looked through all of that and seen that I needed a savior 
and he provided that for me at Calvary's cross. Can you say amen? And sometimes in our life, what we get caught up in is we, our perspective, we, we don't look through. You got to look through the situation. The perspective of if it, 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 what you are going to see, what you're going to deal with is going to determine how you look at through it. If you look at it through the perspective of fear and anxiety, then you're going to see that. But if you look through it through the per, uh, perspective of praise, then something different is going to come out of that, right? He tells us here uh, in Philippians chapter 1, in verses 12 and 13, uh, and I'm going to read that to you in just a minute, but I'm going to give you uh, Philippians 1, verse 12 and 13 in the, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different translations today. They got the uh, New King James, they got the NIV. This is the BPV. Now, you may have not have heard of it because I made it up. This is the bad perspective version. Of Philippians 1 and 12 and so this is how it goes in the bad perspective version now I want to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me really stinks God has let me down I'm overwhelmed with anxiety depression and hopelessness because of hell I've been through and I'm quitting life groups and I'm never going back to church Amen. That's the bad perspective. Now, this is how Paul said it. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole place, the palace guard, and to everyone else that I am chains for Christ. Amen. He says, now I want you to know what's happened to me. His perspective was praise. He looked at this situation and he could have said, well, how come they chained me up? Why am I in prison? How come this has happened to me? Right? And he could have been down in the mouth. He could have been looked through the perspective of, of fear and doubt and anxiety and worry and says, all I wanted to do is preach the gospel. How am I going to preach? I'm in prison. I can't preach the gospel here. But he says, oh, look at here. I've got an opportunity that I never knew was going to happen. Because, you see, he come to realize that God will never leave him or forsake him. And he has given him a prime opportunity. And while other people are saying, man, Paul's over there in prison. He's thinking, I, I'm so excited about this because I have a, 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 a person here that I can preach the gospel to for eight hours and he can't go nowhere. Amen. And, and so these were not just uh, little uh, folks on the line, a uh, sideline. These were, these were people, these were men of prominence. These were men of great authority. The, they didn't just send anybody to be chained to Paul because they were scared to death of him. They sent the best of the best, right? And they chained them to him for eight hours at a time. They can go nowhere. And he says, through this, it has become clear to all the prison guards 
that I am chained for Christ, right? He said, in other words, he's saying everybody that's been connected to me for eight hours at a time, they got the gospel preached to them. They understand who Jesus Christ is and what he means to me. And so we have to have that perspective if we're going to overcome the anxiety and the troubles of life and the things that are thrown at us. We have to have a perspective of praise and realize like Paul that, that God's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. That no weapon formed against me is going to be able to prosper. God is going to work all of these things somehow for my good and his glory and so I don't have to worry I don't have to fret God is going to make good out of this bad situation amen they thought that I was a prisoner Paul says but I had them where they couldn't leave for eight hours and I preached the gospel to them then you have the perspective of pain right you have the pain of life where you feel like that your dreams are over. You feel like that you're stuck in the middle of a mess and you're never going to get out. And what you dreamed about, what you believed for, that, that you can't sleep, you can't rest, you can't breathe because all you have is a perspective of pain and that pain is greater than, it becomes greater than God. But you have a choice. You can look through the perspective of pain. You can look through the perspective of anxiety and worry. Or you can look through the perspective of praise. Amen. You say, well, how, how do you look through the perspective of praise during difficult times? Well, you learn that God is for you all the time. And you understand that God is not schizophrenic. God doesn't change his mind. He is a loving, good father all the time. Amen. And he loves you unconditionally. God didn't start loving you because of what you did or didn't do. God loved you because he created you in his likeness and his image. Amen. And as a, a, a father that loves dearly, you know, we cannot figure this out. We can't understand this because love is so fickle here in this earth. Is it not true? People say things all the time. The word love means a whole lot. People love candy. They love their dog. And then they tell you they love you. Right? And so it really don't mean a whole lot when somebody says these days, I love you. It should. Amen. But when you know God the Father and His love, His love is an agape love. His love is a love that He says, you can hate me, but I'm still going to love you. Amen. He's not looking for you necessarily. He wants you to love him, but he's not looking for you to reciprocate that love in order for you, for him to pour out his love upon you. The Bible says that while we are yet sinners, he died for us. He gave his life for us on Calvary's cross, not knowing whether we would ever accept that or not, but he loved us enough that he did it just in case. Amen. 
And he says that I'm never going to leave you, that I'm never going to forsake you. He says, I'm going to work all things for your good. And so chained to these Roman guards, these influence, influential leaders, Paul chooses to say, I'm going to preach the gospel to them. I've, I've come here to preach. I know I came as a prisoner, but I'm going to leave as a preacher. And so he relies upon that and he takes that opportunity, even though he did not know that this would be the way that God would get him there to preach the gospel. Now that he is in Rome, he's not going to miss the opportunity. And you see, a lot of times in our life, we can pray for a thing, we can ask God to do a thing, and we can miss our opportunity or not even be able to celebrate what God has done because we're worried or anxious and we're looking at something else that we're wanting God to do. But sometimes you just got to take time to thank God for what he has already done. You got to remember his goodness that it may not be a prayer you prayed today, but it might be a prayer you prayed five years ago. But God answered the prayer. He moved on your behalf and you need to celebrate his goodness and thank him for the provision that he has provided in that situation. Whatever it may be, however it may come about, and we begin to thank him and praise him and rejoice in that moment because of what he has done. Amen. You see, this wasn't the first time that Paul praised in prison. He praised God in prison in Acts chapter 16. And Paul and Silas go to the place of prayer, right? At the hour of prayer, they're going to life group. They're going to church. They're going to prayer. And the Bible says that the crowd joined in Acts 16 and 22, the crowd joined in and attacked against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods, right? And here they are, they are stripped, they're beaten with rods, their clothes are taken from them. And, and you might say today that if we was in a modern context, that they were stripped of their confidence. They were stripped of their peace. They were stripped of their, their faith. They were stripped of their joy. They were beat down. They, they had discouragement. They had doubts. They, they had worries. They are serving God and they are still severely flogged and thrown into prison. They're bloody, they're bruised, they have black eyes, maybe have a broken nose, ribs, I don't know. They're cold and on a prison floor. And under those, those uh, precious and uh, uh, press, uh, time and that place of that pressure cooker of life in that difficult situation, you know, in, whenever you are in difficult situations, it's easy for us sometimes to look at the small picture. The present moment. Huh? And we forget about the big picture. We forget about the things and we, we don't see 
everything that is going on in our life at the same time because we're overwhelmed by this little thing. I said last week, it's amazing how that one bad thing can happen in a day whenever you got 10 good things, but you can't celebrate the good 10 good things because of the one bad thing. And it don't even have to be a, a, a significant thing. It just has to be a bad thing. And our attention is drawn to it. But here, Paul and Silas somehow overcome getting narrow-minded and narrow-focused and on that cold prison floor, beaten, bloody, bruised, maybe even broken, they said to one another, why don't we sing? I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to be honest with you. That's probably the last thing that would have come to my mind. Is it all right to be real? It's probably the last thing would have come to my mind is let's sing Kumbaya. Let's sing, you know, hold the fort till he comes. It, it, whatever. That's the last thing that would come to my mind is let's worship, right? But many times in our own life you know we may not be in prison we may not be bloody and beaten in the natural but spiritually we are we're depleted in our soul our mind our will our emotions we're overwhelmed we're fatigued we're even battle scarred and weary and and we're we're, we're emotionally bleeding on the prison floor and in in that condition in that state wrongly accused, vilely beaten, Paul says, what do you want to do? And Silas says, let's sing a song. Let's have a worship service. Amen? You say, well, what do you have to worship for? What do you have to thank God for? How can you worship God in those circumstances or that situation? I don't know what they came up with. Maybe they came up with, well, what do you want to sing for? And he says, well, we're not dead. We're still alive. Amen. Sometimes whenever you're going through hard things in life, you just need to look around at the good. Look at what is right, because that one bad thing, yes, it is bad, and you're not minimizing it, and you're not minimizing it and saying it isn't bad, but it is bad. But on the other side of that, I, I, my family, my friends, my church, my job, my home, I got food, I have clothes on my back. Amen. I've got all of these things that are going right for me. I'm not going to allow what is wrong with going wrong for me to dominate or dictate to me how that I'm going to spend my day. But I'm going to make a choice to look at this situation through the perspective of praise. And I'm going to praise God anyways. I'm going to give him glory. I promise you this, that if you can get up off of the prison floor of 
your life and you can open up your mouth and begin to give God praise no matter what the circumstance or the situation of your life looks like. I promise you this, that nothing is able to stop the power of praise. Why? Because God promises that I will inhabit the praises of my people. So you may be in a prison cell. You may be uh, in chains. You may be in the worst situation of your life. You may be dealing with things that are even unspeakable. But in that situation, in that circumstance, if you can look at the perspective of praise and say, I know that God is good, even though this life is troublesome, difficult, and worrisome, I'm going to bless the Lord. If you can put a praise upon your lips, it'll change the atmosphere that you are presently in. God will come and set upon your worship, upon your praise. And when God shows up, everything begins to change. The Bible says in verse 25, I'm in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Amen. And the other prisoners were listening to him. Can you imagine what was going through those other prisoners' minds? I just seen them beat that man nearly to death. And he's over there singing. I seen what they went through today. I see the blood on the floor. How is it? But you know what else came to my mind? I believe that as they begin to worship God and praise God in that prison, I believe the reason why those other prisoners were listening to them is because there was a sovereign peace that not only came to Paul and Silas, but every prisoner that was in that prison jail experienced the sovereign peace of God that can touch your life even in difficult situations. The guards made the big mistake. They left Paul and Silas in the same cell. You know, you can encourage one another. Amen? You can encourage one another. That's what Paul and Silas did. I believe they encouraged one another. It's the reason why we need somebody every once in a while. We need a friend to encourage one another. The enemy wants to isolate you, right? Whenever you become anxious, as I said last week, and I'm not going to preach last week's again, you can find it online, but last week we talked about the fact that the first thing you do is run. You run, you hide, and the enemy wants you to run, he wants you to hide, he wants to separate from everybody else. Why? Because the devil is a sniper. And it's easy to pick off that one that is alone, that one that has isolated itself. The best thing you, you, you can do is go to church. The best thing you can do is get around some crazy people that'll still praise God in difficult times. 
that'll still pray, that'll still worship, that'll still glorify God and say, yeah, we know it's bad, but he's worthy. He's greater than all of this. So we're just going to bless the Lord at all times. And his praise is going to be in my mouth. Amen. Notice praising God while they were in prison. It wasn't, wasn't praise for what? It was praise for who? Amen. I'm not asking you today to erase your mental state or become mentally say just don't think about it because you can't praise God for what you're going through sometimes divorce sickness kids huh you can't praise God for what but you're not praising him for what you're praising for who who God was Amen? Praise him before the provision. Paul knew what God was capable of doing because he had been through this in his past. <laughs> this isn't the first time that he has went there. In fact, this is the second time that we read about it. But he says, look guys, I can tell you, we can go ahead and rejoice in the Lord always because I've been in this situation before and God's brought me through. I've been in this place with Silas before and, and they thought they was going to kill us. They thought that it, was, it looked bad. It didn't look like there was no way out. And, and, and he, he made a way in the past. Come on, somebody. Paul made a choice to praise God before the provision came because he knew that God, even though he hadn't done it yet, God had the ability to do it, and any time that he chose to do it, he could do it. So Paul chose to go ahead and rejoice. Amen. Go ahead if you want to. You can say, praise him on credit, because God's credit is good. And whenever we will praise him, it is an act of faith that we praise God for what we have not yet seen. We praise God for our marriage being restored. We praise God for our body being healed. We thank God for our children walking in divine health. We thank God for that scholarship. We, we praise him even though we have not yet received it, but we're going to praise God because we know that he, in any given moment he is able to do it and we're going to praise him like he already has amen and when Paul wrote Philippians in prison God could have delivered him but he didn't amen God could have delivered him but he didn't but in even though he didn't deliver him Paul pinned down rejoice in the Lord always in other words, I believe what Paul was saying here is, I've been in the place where God delivered me before. Huh? And this time, I haven't been delivered. But I've made up my mind that I'm going to praise God through the perspective of praise. And so therefore, I'm going to rejoice and praise God when he delivers me. 
and when he doesn't. I'm not going to praise him because of what he has done or hasn't done. I'm going to praise him for who he is. Because he has brought me out of a miry clay. He has set my feet upon a solid and a firm foundation. He has established my coming in and my going out. He has wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I'm a chosen one. I'm a redeemed one. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and praise him for who he is in my life. Even though I'm going through these difficult seasons, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that he will keep me and I'm going to continue to praise his name. Amen. Rejoice when he delivers you. Rejoice when he doesn't because it, this is not praise for what he has done. This is praise for who he is. This is a deeper kind of praise. This isn't a shallow praise. Amen. Praising him when he delivers me is good, but it don't take a whole lot. Right? Because my prayer's been answered. My problem's been solved. He did it the way I thought he was going to do it. The answer's come. So I, I praise him, and you should, huh? But praising him when he doesn't, it's a deeper, it's out of relationship. It's out of knowing him. It's out of being in covenant with him. It's out of, God, I don't understand, but I still trust you. God, this isn't how I'd want to do it at all. But I still love you. I still want you to know that you are the lover of my soul. I still want you to know that you're the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Come on. I, I want you to know that, that you are the everything to me. Right? And so I'm going to praise him. But he says, now I want to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened. He said, praise will change your perspective. He said, what's happened, brothers and sisters? Well, I'll tell you what has happened. Praise will change your perspective. If you begin to think about the goodness of God, if you begin to think about everything he has done for you in your life, Huh? And it don't bring you out of the mully grubs. It don't bring you out just a little bit where you can see the sun. If it don't take you up just a little bit higher. Huh? And you begin to think about his goodness. You think about his protection. You think about his provision. You think about his promise over your life. You think about how he is taking care of you financially, spiritually. How he is taking care of your children, your situations of your life. And you begin to visualize that. You begin to think about that. You begin to think about where you would be if it had not been for the Lord upon your side. The psalmist said, 
said my enemy would have already devoured me but you're here today as a testimony against the enemy because if he could have taken you out you would have already been gone but the fact of the matter is that God has preserved you he has protected you he has taken care of you even in ways that you weren't even aware of that your enemy wanted to destroy you like the children of Israel but his angels were around about you and protected you and shielded you and guided you when you begin to thank him for all that he has done in your life it'll change your perspective where you can say yes this is a bad day yes this needs to change but I want you to also know that God hasn't changed his goodness and his mercy is everlasting his truth his word is true he's not a liar he's not a man that he should lie no the son of man that he should repent he watches over his word and he will perform it in my life and so now I've got a different perspective that even though all of these things have come against me I'm still greater than what they are I'm still greater I'm still greater Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Put you through the grinder. Put you through the shaft. But I'm praying for you. <laughs> that your faith fail you not. How many like to have Jesus praying for them. How many think your faith would rise up if you just knew Jesus was praying for you? That you can make it through some things if you knew Jesus himself was praying for you. Well, I got good and gospel news for you today. He said he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's ever making intercession for you. For you, for you, for you, for me. <laughs> He's interceding on my behalf, saying, Father, don't let Brian's face grow weary in the middle of this struggle. Keep him strong, give him endurance. <laughs> huh? Let him outlast the storms. Let me, let me just say to you today, you can't stop the storms. You just got to learn to outlast the storms. And the only way you're going to outlast them is have a perspective of praise that, yes, I cannot stop this storm from coming in my life, but through the storm, I will learn how to praise him. I will praise him. You see, the prison doors flew open. The chains came loose. And the key, I believe, this morning to unlocking your miracle, unlocking your prison cell of anxiety and worry, I believe the key to it is the sound of your praise. The sound of your praise. I can't praise for you. 
Your spouse can't praise for you. Your children or your mom or your dad can't praise for you. Pastor can't praise. But the sound of your praise will unlock the prison of anxiety, fear, frustration, worry that you are is overwhelming you. <laughs> but whenever he hears your praise, he inhabits your praise, and those chains start falling off. And that door unlocks of its own accord. And of that that had you bound will no longer be able to hold you because you have the key to your miracle and it's in your mouth. Your perspective is changing. And as your perspective changes, your hands begin to get free. Amen. Your heart begins to get free. And your heart begins to sing a melody, a song of praise and adoration to the Father. Amen. And, and he, he breaks us out. Amen. He breaks us out when we praise Him, when we rejoice, when we give Him the glory. Amen. Praise Him when the world is fighting against you. Praise Him when, when, when everything is going the wrong way. Praise Him while I'm waiting on Him. Praise Him in prosperity and in adversity. Praise Him in the pain. Praise Him for not what He is, but who He is. Amen. Who am I praising? I'm praising the name of Jesus. I'm praising El Elyon, the Most High God. I'm praising the one, a man who came down to earth as a, as a human being, put on the robe of flesh, came out, went into Mary's dressing womb, came out, Emmanuel, God with us, walked this life, knows the pain, knows the heartache, knows the suffering, and yet he speaks to us and says, I'm making intercession for you that because I live, you can live also. I've made a way for you. That's who I'm talking about today that's who I'm talking about I don't want to take any kind of recommendation on, on, on finances from someone who's been uh, through uh, been broke 10 times in their life I don't want to give anybody to give me information on how to, to live victorious when they are all the time in the molly grubs. Neither do I want anybody to tell me how to, to serve the Lord whenever they haven't done it themselves. But Jesus has walked this path. Jesus has suffered and dealt with everything known to mankind yet without sin. And I'm telling you, he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. And as we worship him, he has the key to release you from the anxiety, the worry, and the problems of your life and speak peace in the middle of your storm. Peace be still. Again, today I'm not belittling, I'm not minimizing anxiety. I'm not minimizing. I spent time on that. I hope that you heard me last week. It's real. 90% of Americans saying they're dealing with it even in, a, in an earlier age than ever before. It's real. But I'm telling you what's even more real than that is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the power of his name. At the mention of his name, everything else in your life will begin to line up. It has to. 
come into obedience. Amen. So we have to do things. You see, this, this, isn't, this isn't something that's normal. This isn't something that uh, the gospel of the kingdom's like no other kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom. If you want to go up, you got to come down. Yeah. It's an upside down kingdom. It, it, it don't make no sense. Amen. And anything you want to talk about in this kingdom, it's, it's different than the world system. It don't operate because in the world system, if you want to get more, you've got you to take more. But in this kingdom, if you want to get more, you've got to give more. The more you give, the more comes. Pressed down, shaken together, good measure, running. Uh, not just money, but things money cannot buy. Amen. And whenever you want to be free and when you want to have victory in an area of your life, you don't wait until the answer comes. You praise the one who is the answer until the victory comes. Amen. Paul and Silas knew how to do it. And Paul said, look, I've been here before and the last time he delivered me, this time for whatever reason he hasn't. But I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. I don't, can't tell you today how God is going to do a thing in your life. How he will move, how he will answer, how he will respond. But what I will tell you is that I can promise you this, that he is an ever-present help in the time of need. I can promise you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he'll be with you to the ends of the earth. And the peace that this world has is a false peace that only lasts momentarily and is, is, it, is, it is a result of a situation or a circumstance. But the peace of God is not based upon circumstance or relations. It's beyond comprehension. That's the reason when he said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but my peace. He wanted us to understand this isn't something like you can get out of this world. This is something that supersedes this world. And I'm telling you today, all over this world, not only America, but all over this world, people are looking for that kind of peace. And the only place they can find it is Jesus Christ. I don't know where you may be in your journey today. Don't know where you may be in your walk with the Lord. And this call today is no means, and I want you to understand me clearly, this no means to say, I know some foolish people would say, well, if you're living in anxiety and worry, you just don't have enough faith or you don't love God. And I dealt with that last week as well. That's not true. Not true at all. But what I do want to say is today that the first place that you find faith is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'll never know this kind of peace. I can promise you that. It cannot be found anywhere but in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we surrender our life to Him and say, Father, I can't do it on my own. I need you. And we surrender ourselves to Him. And we confess Him as our Savior and our Lord. That's the beginning of peace in our life 
But I also want to make a call today for those who are struggling, those who are fighting. You love God with all of your heart, and there's no doubt that you do. But you're struggling with anxiety. You're struggling with the things of life, and it seems like you're in that prison cell of Paul and Silas. I really believe that the key to your prison is your praise. And I want to invite you today in this time of altar service to come and just praise God. Come and love God. Come and thank Him. Not for what you're going through, but who He is. Thank Him for who He is. Worship Him for a few moments. Out of your mouth, give Him praise. And see if He don't shift the circumstances of your life for His glory and His honor. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me today, please. Father, I thank you for your word today. I've done my best to articulate and to share what you've put in my heart for this moment. I pray now that you would touch each and every heart that is represented here. If somebody here today has not surrendered their life to you, said yes to you, I pray today that they will find that peace that only comes in knowing you as their Savior.